Well, if you're joining us for the first time today, or if you've never been to Nakani Baptist Church, um, together as a family, we are working our way through the book of Ephesians. So this morning, we want you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And today we arrive at uh, Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. However, to remind ourselves and to maybe introduce this morning's message, we will read from Ephesians 1, 15 to the end of the chapter. So Ephesians 1 and 15. Uh, and this is God's word um, as Paul prays to the church in Ephesus. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray, and then we'll dig in. Father, as we have now opened your word and read it, we pray that you would speak to us even by the reading of it. But as we now begin to unpack what it has to say for us, may it be real for us, those who love Christ and desire to live for him. Lord, we pray that through these words you would help us to become uh, who you say we are. And may we uh, grow to love you more and more and our affection for you be greater even after this morning's message, we pray. So guide us by your spirit, teach us, we pray, and speak into hearts and lives, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, keep your Bibles open. Um, if you have a Bible, turn to Ephesians 1. We're going to look at these few verses this morning. Um, we're going to just break them up and, and look at them and see what they say for us and what they mean for us this morning. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, maybe uh, go on your phone or uh, even use the facility on our uh, live stream on our website to turn on the Bible and turn to Ephesians 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 23. Well, let me tell you a story. Before I became the pastor of Nakani Baptist Church, I was a car salesman. Yeah, think think what you want about that. But I remember one time where we, we had a brand new metallic black uh, three-door Mini. Uh, it was a Cooper S with white stripes, um, it had a sports exhaust, a sports body kit, and it had the works, and it was sitting in the showroom. Lovely and shiny it was. Uh, and I remember the person who bought that car. I remember the person who bought that Mini. And I remember going out on the test drive with them. Uh, and uh, they were excited to drive the car, obviously, and I knew, having sold many cars like that before, what was about to be unleashed from under the bonnet. 
Uh, this car had nearly 200 horsepower and it was the size of a shoe. Um, so we drove out of the dealership, down the road a little and then joined the motorway. Well this was it, a, a perfect opportunity for my customer to, to stretch the legs of this incredible engine. So we, we arrived onto the motorway and I waited and waited and waited and we eventually reached 70 miles an hour. To be fair, I probably could have pedaled faster. See, my customer never, in the time that I was with them, experienced or tapped into the power that was right in front of them. See, it was at their disposable, disp disposal, yet they never enjoyed, used, or put it into action. See, the power that was now theirs, they never realised. See, this is what the Apostle Paul prays for the Ephesian church in these verses. That they would not only know their hope and worth in Jesus, as we looked at a few weeks ago, but also the power available to them by the Holy Spirit. So, my first point this morning is this, for anyone who's making notes, Paul prays for an understanding of God's great power in, 19, in verse 19 and 20. God's great power. Paul wants them to get it. Paul really outdoes himself in order to do that in this strand of the prayer as he stacks different descriptive words which mean the same thing really on top of one another those synonyms, and he speaks of here the immeasurable greatness of his power towards all who believe. And then he goes on and uses the words working, that word energio, where we get our word energize, and then he uses the word might. Well, why does he do this? Well, I think it's just to express as best he can the highest possible power, a power that nothing can compete with. Well then Paul is praying that the eyes of the hearts of the church would be enlightened to see this. They would be enlightened to see this immeasurably great power. That's what it says in verse 19. Then my question is this. Well, what is this power? Except for immeasurably great, what is it? After wrestling with this this week, I think the key to answering this question is knowing this. Paul isn't talking here about what the power will enable us to do. He is talking here about what the power will enable us to be. Let me say that again so you get this, okay? Paul isn't talking here about what the power will enable us to to do. He is talking here about the power and what the power will enable us to be. You see, Paul has just told the church in Ephesus that it has a wonderful hope that is sourced in its election, that it is God's own possession. And now he tells them this, that the power that is within you will keep you will secure you and will give you 
a hope that one day you will be resurrected and glorified with Christ. See, this is the hope of the believer, that the Spirit's power within us would shape us to be like Jesus and that it would keep us, it would secure us until the great day when we will see him face to face. See, this power doesn't make us immune to the trouble of this world. No, no, no. But it does give us a wonderful internal source for perseverance in the faith. I wonder, are you ever tempted to doubt, to wonder if God can do a certain thing for us or through us? I think we all are at points in our life. Well, if we are, We just need to look at what he has given us in his son, Jesus. Because Jesus faithfully accomplished all the Father sent him to do. He has not only established a way of having our sins forgiven and wiped away, but of assurance and confidence and that whatever comes our way, doubts and fears and trials and trouble he has us safe in his arms and he will accomplish all he purposes through us the church his bride therefore what grounds do we have for doubting see in light of such assurance we must move our feeling and thoughts of being unsecured to being secured to being unloved to being loved to being not treasured, to being treasured. But how is this all made possible? Easy to say it, right? But how is it made possible? Well, you see, the same unlimited power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise the Christian from the dead. And that same power that that seated him, as it says here, at, at his right hand in the heavenly places will seat us there also. See, his resurrection power is our resurrection power. What he possesses, we possess. Those who love and trust in Christ. But before our resurrection, before we get to that point, in the meantime, this power is at our our disposal for living to the glory of God. Well, let's move on to the second point. Paul prays that they would grasp, the Ephesians, God's great person in verse 21 God's great person Paul wants the church to understand the greatness of Jesus he wants to see how great he how great Jesus is Paul in 2 Timothy 2 and 8 actually reminds us to do this remember the greatness of the person who lives within you Paul says he raised he was raised from the dead And he is seated at God's right hand. He was born of David as a man just like us. He identifies with us. He understands us. He sympathises with us. But verse 21 of Ephesians uh, chapter 1 tells us this. That he's far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Above every name that is named. Not only in this age but in the one to come. 
So how do we balance these two things? A saviour who is both man like us, although perfect, who identifies and understands and sympathises with us, yet he now sits above all rule and authority and power and dominion. In other words, Jesus is greater than any rank or might or earthly power, and we believe that. But how then can he be these things to us if he is a distant, far off, far above, as it says here, God? Well, Jesus said this in John seventeen twenty four, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's what Jesus said as he prayed to his Father. And so God the Father has seated Jesus not just above but far above all people, all things But that son, Jesus Christ, desires to have his children, those who love and trust him, with him, so that they too can see and enjoy his glory. Yes, Jesus is ruling and reigning over all things for all time, yet in his sustaining of this universe, in his rule over all things, he has a wonderful, intimate care for those who know and treasure him as Lord and Saviour. And his desire is for us to be in his eternal presence. Well, this should astound us, that Jesus wants us to be with him, to see his glory, and to share in it. Well, then to wrap up chapter 1 of Ephesians, we see that Paul prays that the church would understand God's great plan. This is my third point. He wants them to see God's great plan in verses 22 and 23. You see God being satisfied with his son's death, magnified by his son's resurrection, has now seated Jesus at his right hand in heaven. Not only this, but in God's sovereign plan, he has now put Christ over all creation, even over the church. Well, having said what I've just said, Don't think that Jesus wasn't at some point in history past over all things. He was. For we know that Jesus was the creator of everything. But I want to tell you a story. It was said that Sir Isaac Newton had an exact replica of our solar system made in miniature. And at its centre was a large golden ball representing the sun. And revolving around it were similar spheres attached at the ends of rods of varying lengths. Well, they represented Mercury and Venus, Earth and Mars and the other known planets. See, these were all geared together by cogs and belts and and allowed them to, to move around the sun in perfect harmony. Well, one day, as Newton was studying this model, a friend who did not believe in God stopped by for a visit. 
and marvelling at the device and watching as Newton made the heavenly bodies move in their orbits, the man suddenly said, My Newton, what an exquisite thing. Who made it for you? Well, without looking up, Newton replied, Nobody. Nobody? his friend asked. He said, yeah, that's right. I said, nobody. All of these balls and the cogs and the belts and gears just happened to come together. And wonder of wonders, by chance they began revolving in their set orbits and with perfect timing. Well, his friend got the message. Of course someone made it. And so it is with our universe. See, Jesus has dominion over it because he has made it. And he has dominion over us because he has bought us with his blood. But most importantly, and most significantly, we must ask the question, what about the church? What part does Jesus play in the church? He says that God made him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What does it mean for Jesus to be the head of the church? Well, take a moment and think of your body. Without a head, the body is useless. So also without a body, a head is useless. See, there's a wonderful picture of the union between the two then, isn't there? When they are both present and functioning, the body praises the head and the head praises the body. They complement each other perfectly. And so it is with Jesus, the head and the church, the body. See, Christ becoming the head of the body, the church, has therefore chosen the church to display his incomparable majesty. Well, did you get that? He has chosen the church, the worldwide body of believers, to display how amazing and how wonderful he is. What a responsibility for all who believe. Well then, there's one more thing. We, the body, the church, those who love and trust in Christ, are the fullness, as it says in verse 23, of him who fills all in all. Well, what does this mean? Well, simply this. Jesus, although complete in every way considers himself incomplete until the church, his body, is complete. See, it means the church, those who love and trust in Jesus, are the complement to Christ. Think a minute of a bridegroom. He is not complete without his bride, right? Also, think of the vine that is not complete without its branches. What about the shepherd? without his sheep? What about the head 
without the body or the church, the complement of Christ. John Calvin said this, This is the highest honour of the church, that until he is united to us, the Son of God reckons himself in some measure incomplete. What consolation it is for us to learn that not until we are in his presence does he possess all his parts, not does, nor does he wish to be regarded as complete. Is there any wonder that Paul earnestly prays for the church to have the eyes of their hearts opened to such realities, to its hope, its worth, its power, its security, its assurance that Jesus loves us so much he considers, he considers himself incomplete until the day we are all united with him in glory. You want access to such wonderful, real, tangible realities in Jesus? Hope, peace, worth, eternal security and assurance? Well, today you've heard about the power source. Where all of this comes from, and it's not a place, but it's a person. And his name is Jesus. See, the one who, in all power, created all things. The one who is intimate and interested in all of us. The one who desires your presence with him today is the one where we find such power. And if you're listening to this today, you can call on his name and get plugged in to this wonderful source of power. Father, we ask that as we consider such things, uh, Lord, that you would stir our hearts, that if we love you and trust you and know you for ourselves personally, that we will be reminded today that the eyes of our hearts will be open to seeing such wonderful power that not only saved us, but is keeping us until the end. Lord, for those who do not know such realities and such power, may they today, even where they sit right now, may you open their hearts and may they receive you for themselves. They may know this power truly as a reality for them. So Lord, we ask that you'll go before us, help us even through the days and weeks that lie ahead. May we know that active, internal, real, tangible power that you have given us by your Spirit and continue to work in us. And so Lord, we pray you would help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, again, God bless you and thank you for joining us today in this live stream. Uh, we hope you'll join us throughout the week and again next Sunday. And here's a song that we hope will allow you to reflect on all that has already been said. God bless, keep well and safe, and we'll speak soon.